This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Welcome to the Elk Shape Podcast Season 6 with your host, Dan the Fitness Man. Thank you for tuning in. We are excited to have you. This is the podcast that is dedicated to hard work, disciplined decisions, and year-round training in the pursuit of the best possible version of ourselves. We leverage elk hunting to create a pathway. We understand that time is finite and we cannot squander a second. We must be leaders at our home. We understand that faith is our number one priority. Then family, then fitness, then health, then wealth. Our year-round disciplined decisions help us leave a legacy for our family to follow. You will leave here motivated, inspired, and educated. We bring on a wide variety of guests subject matter experts so that you can tune in get what you need to get and continue on your journey we are blessed to call ourselves elk hunters season six here we go elk shape podcast with me dan the fence man what's up today sitting down with marcus smith and kendall card of crispy black ovis camel fire going to discuss gear not gear that uh, is unproven but gear that you might want to consider upgrading over time trickle effect uh what are the most important pieces to new hunters as well as veteran hunters looking to get that advantage and have bulletproof gear we're also going to discuss some of their hunts this year and 2023 goals they're going to advertise them here i hope you're thinking about your goals as well it's that time of year to create that blueprint and execute on your goals and make it happen for yourself this is the elk shape podcast you have a lot of options thanks for choosing this one without further ado this is the boys at blackovis.com here we go Folks, look who I have on the podcast. Marcus Smith, Kendall Card. This is my team that I love to death. Uh, Kendall, I kind of work on the crispy side. Marcus, I work on the black over side. They also do camel fire. Let's do quick introductions. We'll start with you, Marcus. Awesome. Thanks for having me here, man. 
Super excited to be on the podcast again. Um, always a good time. Thanks for having me. Awesome. And you also, what, what all do you do, Marcus? So I'm the marketing and brand manager. So if it's marketing, I probably do it and branding. <laughs> we have a pretty small team over here, super active team. We Everything's always crossing over into someone else's lane, but it's it's just really everything, marketing, events, sponsorships, Google ads, SEO, paid ads. I mean, everything under the sun. It never ends. And then Mr. Kendall Card, who I met in person, I think at an expo one year. I remember it's that. been an honor. It's been an honor to, to watch you hustle, man. Uh, give us your uh, snapshot of kind of uh, your day-to-day. You got a lot of irons in the fire. Yeah, my my world changed a little bit this last year when Mark Mark Strickland, who's my business partner, a long time, you know, just a great friend. We uh, we divided, we physically moved Crispy out of our building there in Salt Lake. So he, we decided there's no way that he could continue to be president of both companies. So he runs on a day to day our Crispy business, which is down in uh, just about a, about a half hour, forty minutes from from where Black Ovis and Camel Fire is. And then I'm I'm uh, entrusted with the fate and future of Black Ovis and Camel Fire. So that's my day to day. I still do some collaboration elements as an owner of the crispy business, but uh, but on a day to day basis, I'm I'm ninety eight ninety nine percent focused on Black Ovis and Camel Fire. Uh, yeah. And it's awesome. I mean, there's you know I get pulled into everything. We even though you know we've we've grown and we're a solid solid company. Um, I still, you'll find me sometimes in the weeds. Some of my business partners don't, you know, they they keep telling me, dude, you got to get out of that small stuff. And every once in a while, you'll find me out in the warehouse or bumping into meetings with the customer service guys, the gear guides, or I'll be in marketing or I get pulled in a zillion directions every day. Uh, and I love it, man. I, I really do. Yeah. For those listening, um, you know what? When I edit this, I'm going to remind myself to put a link to I don't know how many times you've been on Kindle, but we did one podcast where we kind of got to learn how you started like in a living room and just buying gear. And um, I just love that stuff, man. Uh, go back and listen to that, guys. Really cool, inspiring, especially if you're into like entrepreneurial stuff. But speaking of crispy, boys, I was just in AZ chasing mule deer on public land. And I was like, oh, I'm going to Arizona. I'll just bring my Colorados. You know, I'll pack light. It's cool three degrees oh. i didn't have toe warmers <laughs> non-insulated what should i have brought and i don't even have any insulated crispies i'm going to be asking for some soon what should i have brought on that hunt you're talking three degrees fahrenheit yes sir boom that's cold that's chilly i would have Lava been wearing, rocks. yeah i i would have been in either the just in a, a nevada 200 gram, which would have been on the low side, but you're, you're, you're active hunting. I'm sure you're spotting stock, but you're still sitting in glassing for a while. Um, or I would have been in the wild rock. I don't know about the plus, maybe the plus, but it, once you get up and run around that 800 gram is, a, is a little bit much. But, uh, the other thing too, is I was talking with Tim Burnett and uh, Brian from uh, day six and, and those guys use the, those, those cheap, piece of crap like arctic boot over like overboot covers and uh and, and i say piece of crap because i don't and i i don't think they're very well built they're almost they're semi-disposable but throwing those bad boys on over top of like a nevada or a wild rock when you're sitting and glassing and then peeling them off and then running good that's the probably the setup i would have done 
no, you're glassing um, 90% of the hunt, you know, especially I got there too early. The rut wasn't popping. The deer densities are not insane. And it's like booties would have done a good, a good thing for me, uh, especially whitetail hunting this year as well. Like, I guess I realized this year hunting in December so much that I need to up my game on uh, when it comes to like some insulation. So that's, that's noted. I do think 800 would be probably too much, but, but not for sitting in a tree stand. Is that what you guys use? Cause both you guys were, you guys were both in Kentucky quite a bit this year mm. doing the whitetail jam. Yeah. What were you got? What was on your feet? So I, I was actually using the wild rock, um, to start out with. Cause well, when me and Kendall were out in Kentucky, it was warmer than we expected. And we didn't have to layer up that much. I was wearing lacrosse boots, 800 grams at that point, And it was just too, too warm. Keep in mind, we both got sick and we definitely needed the layers later on. But uh, I flu, went to, if you know. <laughs> yeah. Did you guys get the, the sick, sick thing? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was, <laughs> it was brutal. It was, it was bad. Brutal. <laughs> hey, but, I, but I still killed a buck when I was like almost man down. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, it That's was dedication. it was intense. Anyway, <laughs> the week after I went to Illinois on my whitetail hunt, and I started out in the Wild Rock, and it was still warm, and then the cold snap hit, and I switched over to those Lacrosse eight hundreds. Um, but a bunch of the guys that I was out there hunting with the working class crew, um, they actually use those Arctic Shield covers, and they were saying how awesome they are. So it's not a bad option. Yeah, I have I have those. Uh, they're like these. I don't know if they're Arctic Shield, but they're big booty things that go over. Um, but this year when I was white tail hunting, I actually was just wearing old school heater body suits. Uh, I don't know if you, you guys probably know what those are like Canada. It's like protocol, but dude, I had no choice. We were, we were in the teens as a high, most of my late season white tail. Um, I can't stand being cold and I don't even really like hunting late season to be honest with you guys, just because of that. That's why we bow hunt August, September, <laughs> early October, you know? Gosh. Well, dude, so if now you that here, the, the, I mean, I was driving to work two days ago and there was probably a foot of new snow. And I watched these two cats get out of their truck at the summit over there in, uh, uh, drop it down to Salt Lake bows on their backs. And there were, they were knee deep and heading off for the last day of elk hunting. It was, uh, I was like, I've done that before, but that day did not look that interesting to me. I love to bow hunt, but that did not look like a good time. It's probably 10 degrees out too. Yeah. Oh yeah. Was, I think it was 10, 10 to 12 when I came over the summit. Like, oh, fellas, you guys got steel balls. Yeah. The <laughs> that extended late archery elk hunt in your in the Wasatch is no joke. And there's this cat I don't even know. I bet you guys do. I just know he's got elk-shaped side plates on his bow, but he killed, I think, the best buck on the Wasatch front this year. His name's Connor. Mm-hmm. And then yep. he killed an an extended late season like elk, three three hundred plus bull. And uh, do you guys know this guy? I don't know him personally, but I know who he is. And yeah. and and a lot of my friends or people I know know him. And I know Marcus. Marcus is a little more in the scene than I am. Well, I'm in the same same boat. There, he's definitely a guy that you see on social media, and a bunch of the guys here are friends with him. I haven't met him yet, but I've heard he's a great great dude. Well, he can just quit bow hunting. You can't do that ever again. What he did this year. Uh, I don't know so him, but crazy. I might have to get him on just because I'm impressed with what he's got going on there. And he runs with, um, 
that other cat named uh martin. is it martin martin yeah yeah okay yep. got it well i wanted to get you guys on today because you guys know a thing or two about gear and i'm a huge proponent of investing in gear kind of trickle effect versus just like wait till right before the season when everything is you know are you going to get it in time do they have it in stock how's the supply chain um the demand is at an all time and you didn't get a chance to test gear so i think it's a pretty good idea to start slowly over time upgrading and i want to talk to you guys about what did you upgrade what gear did you get exposed to this year that really caught your attention and i have both of you on so we can kind of piggyback off each other's answers but i'm going to put kendall on the spot first i want to know your number one piece of gear this year Marcus, I'm going to ask you the same thing so you got time to think of your answer. But what was one thing that just like jumped to the top of your list is like, wow, it doesn't have to be new. It's just new to you. The, uh, well, probably, hopefully I don't steal your thunder, Marcus, but that that ambient hoodie that I used out, uh, I was so surprised. That's that's a new uh, new piece from Sitka. And here, here's my take. <laughs> Barclow's always innovating. There's no doubt about it. Um, and it's almost... It almost is it to me like Barclo, slow down, bro. Like nobody even knows what you built last year. Quit building more stuff for this year. And so I haven't been really keen on keeping up with every little like piece he's been building. But actually, Marcus and the guys were talking about the ambient. I'm like, yeah, whatever. I've got 12 puffies or 12 insulated layers from Sitka from the last like eight years. But I ended up grabbing that thing at Marcus and Marcus's insistence and very shocked, very shocked at how when you first put it on, it feels wimpy. You really I'm literally like this thing is what a joke. This is uh, it's lighter, lighter weight than the hoodie I've got on right now. But I mean, oh, my gosh, it's like an oven. It's really, really a invaluable piece, particularly. And I wish I had taken it on my high country Colorado hunt. Um, because it's just so lightweight, it packs down so small, and it really is uh, very like the warmth to weight, weight ratio is just off the charts. So, super impressed with that piece. Definitely going to be utilizing it. The sizing is also. It was the first time, like, you know, probably not to worry about this, Dan, but I'm I'm six foot four, so the first time they've ever built like large, tall type, and I was shocked at how their their tall has always been like you put an asterisk next to it. But it's yep. the, it's the real deal. So for the tall guys out there, that that was shocking. Both sizing wise, it was on par, and then just the uh, the insulation. So the insulation value, really, 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 really stoked on that piece. And it probably is something that you can stow away in your pack. Pretty like it, I'm sure it packs up pretty well. Oh yeah, we're talking like small in a volleyball, maybe a little bit bigger in a softball if you really scrunch it down. Mm. All right, Marcus, you had time. Let's hear it. Well, first off, I can't say enough about that ambient piece. I mean, there's a jacket and a hoodie and it's, it's truly so innovative and it does it's, it's capacity to, to be versatile in the hunting sphere is, is exponential. It, it is a super rad piece. If, if you're looking for a breathable insulation piece that you can move with, I don't think anything can beat that thing. So definitely worth looking at. Um, one thing that usually sticks out to me is I love when people do something completely different than what's been done. And big Agnes this year, they came out, it was either this year or late last year. They came out with a three in one sleep system. It's the ultralight sleeping bag. 
And it's kind of, there's two pieces to this and there's a quilt that has an attachment. If any of you guys have ever used a big Agnes, you know that on the underside of sleeping bags, it will actually wrap around your pad. So if you move around in the night, your sleeping, your sleeping bag isn't going to roll off your pad. Like it's going to keep you in one spot. So the quilt actually does that. The quilt wraps underneath your sleeping pad and keeps it from moving. And then there's a separate sleeping bag that goes inside of it. And I think it's just a really cool way to, again, be versatile while hunting. I mean, we, we deal with such a varying degree of temperatures that you need to be able to adapt to your situation. And it's cool that you have this quilt on top that you can fully zip off and take off, or maybe that's all you use. Maybe you don't put the sleeping bag inside of it. It's a 15 degree, the one that I use, they make it in a zero, but super lightweight, but also just pretty innovative. It's cool that you can really manage your temperature with it. Yeah, what a system. Well, what a unique system. Now, would you ever take all three with you on a hunt, do you think? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I took I took that entire sleeping system with me this year on my elk hunt, and I used it every single day. It, it got a lot colder at night than I was expecting. And it was really nice. Okay. Well, those are two home runs. Uh, let's talk about your guys' season. I know, I know a little, but I don't know a lot. So Marcus, I know you got yourself a nice little Utah elk tag. I want to hear that story. Um, Kendall, I know you got your Kentucky buck, but uh, I'm trying to, I don't know your season, Kendall. Let's go ahead and give us the highs and maybe even like some of like the <laughs> hindsight learning lessons because we're always learning from each year's experiences take us through your season um my i every every year until until i die or until i physically can't do it i would go to colorado and hunt, hunt high country mule deer um this year was very interesting um i did i ended up i had two i had probably the most well two of the most amazing stocks i've ever put on animals both, neither of them yielded success from a, a buck on the ground. Um, unbelievable. I mean, I had an unbelievable stock on a buck that I had, I had been looking at for three. I missed a buck on day two after I blew the first stock day one, stocked him again. And second day was about a seven hour stock through. And I had, I was full on like rock climbing through cliffs. And it was, it was borderline stupidity. Cause I, I got to a point where I was like, no buck is worth the risk I've got. I've, I mean, the exposure I was having, um, and I'm comfortable climb. I'm comfortable rock climbing. I, I, I rock climb all the time. I I also stock in the vibrant five fingers, um, and I, I'm telling you, I can I can move like a ninja, and and for that purpose, going over rock and stuff, absolutely amazing. Um, but anyway, change locations across valley down into another area. Uh, found a buck I wanted to stock, waited three days until the wind was right, um, and came in on him, had a bighorn sheep come running off this peak. I don't know what was got into him. He came, all of a sudden, he came barreling off. I was about 150 yards from the buck. He blew the buck out of his bed, blew a couple animals out of the basin. The buck relocated. I had to come back out, um, stocked, ran, basically went down this little creek, like in the water, poked out anyway got to uh, 17 yards on him and uh didn't realize i was 17 i thought it was about 30 ended up uh making a movement after about 10 minutes to try and create a different angle for myself when he eventually like woke up you know woke up from his, his sleep 
blew him out. I shot, uh, shot at him at, uh, he went out to about 40, about 50. I'd prearranged a few areas, stood at 50 quartering away. And, and right as I shot, he turned to right, right bound away and I hit him in the butt. Um, I was praying for femoral, but, uh, tracked him for that evening. The next day, never found him. It was pretty disappointing. Um, absolutely gutted out. I mean, from a physical standpoint, it was amazing, amazing hunt. Um, was I actually came back very satisfied rather than you know kind of crying to myself. Um, had some pretty cool experiences, new new zone. So, and then also I had another cool hunt in uh, in Wyoming. Uh, set, ran into seven grizzly bears and a wolf, and saw more elk than than I should have on that hunt. Um, had had a had a missed shot that uh, that misfired on him on a really nice bull, a, a three hundred plus bull. So uh, I had a rad seat, dude. I saw ter- new terrain in two different states that I've never been in. Uh, but the culmination of my season was was helping a friend of mine from Vermont get his first bull elk ever. Uh, he was set. He's seventy one. I ran him through. Uh, dude, the guy is like he's got so much grit. He did not flinch. And me and me and a buddy took him on just everything in between. You know you know, hell and back in two days here on the Wasatch. He actually, he only had six points and he, he should have, it takes like 20 points to draw that tag. So he had about a 3% chance to draw that. Um, and then on day four, thanks to a kid that I bumped into, there was a local kid from where I live here in Camas. He, uh, he said, Hey, I saw some elk over here. That guy had the premium tag. So he was looking for a double and we were looking for any good bull. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> he ended up, just on a just a just a cool experience. He ended up uh, taking a really nice bowl. I think it probably went like I don't even know what measure. Probably just right on three hundred, maybe three hundred five or something like that, three ten if if at most. But uh, you know, I cried. He cried. Um, <laughs> the guy I I drug him through some crazy nasty terrain. He went man down on me three times, like literally like face planted. And I'm like, oh gosh, dude, I don't know if he's gonna get up from that and dude would bounce up. He, he was such a, such an amazing person. And he and I have, we've gotten to know each other over the last seven or eight years that he started coming to Utah to hunt. And, uh, it was really cool because even though it wasn't my bowl, it was our bowl. And I, I was so grateful for the chance to really like give someone else the best hunt of their life. And that, that meant more to me than you know, the other hunt had I come home with a bull from Wyoming and a rad buck from, from Colorado. I st- I still know that that would have been the best hunt of my season to to hunt with Dan. His name was Dan actually as well. So just am- what amazing a human. Yeah, I mean, dude, the terrain we went through, and and he was he. I'd turn around, he'd be right there on my tail, and he would just be huffing. Um, yeah, he, it was it was a cool experience. I don't like hiking or hunting with six foot four tall drinks of water with their stride length, man. It's not fair for a little short guy (laughs) like me, but um, I wanted to ask you, what archery site are you using? Because um, I made a big deal about this year after elk season. I was like, look, man, I've been running this dual track. It's a two pin uh, vertical, super dope. Love it to death. Uh, I also considered using the triple stack from spot hog. I just like vertical pins and I don't like a lot of pins. I shoot very accurately with the less crowding. Um, but I know better because I've been elk hunting so long, man. It cost me, it cost me elk. Like if I'd been slid down to 20 yards or even 30 on your buck and I pre-range and he jumps up and runs out to 50-ish, 
I would not have a shot. Whereas if you have, so what site did you use this year? I think going out West, you got to almost avoid the single pin stuff. Yeah. I'm, I've, I've always been a black gold guy until this year. Um, and my, my go-to is a four pin. Um, I custom build a Ford pin. That's, that's just, I don't like a lot of pin. I don't like the five, six, seven. Uh, I don't think three really does it for me. Um, four pin, the best setup that actually I've always done, uh, a 30, 40, 50, 60. Uh, but my friend does a 27, 30, 40, 50, 60, uh, or no, it's 27, 40, 50, 60. Cause basically 27, if you're shooting relatively, you know, decent speed, you're, you're a slight holdover for, you know, for, uh, for 20, uh, slight hold under for, for, uh, for like a 30, 35, you're 40. I may have just mixed that up, but yeah, I, reverse that. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Uh, but I do. So I actually switched from black gold to the Excel and slide. Oh my um, gosh. And <laughs> I actually, I, I'm going to try and figure out how to surgically remove that fifth pin. Even though I, I used the fifth pin this year, um, I don't like the five pin, but I actually really like that site. It's weird. It's more complex from a, like the amount of stuff going on with that site. I think it's more complex than the black gold. I think the black gold, I mean, did you run it over with your truck? It's bomber. It's well, I have ran one over with my four wheeler and it's not going to survive that, but uh, <laughs> uh, they do have a lifetime warranty. That's so crazy. So I ordered, um, I have an Excel landslide in my boat and I have a single pin housing and I ordered a custom four pin, uh, you know, with exact specific colors. I wanted the top and bottom pin to be green. I wanted that bottom pin to be 10 thou. I mean, and it just got here. I don't have it in my hands yet. Um, it's in a box, but I, uh, went down to Arizona. So what I did is I did surgery on a black gold site. I had a five pin pro site and I did I, with a Dremel. I came in and took out that bottom pin. And yeah. then I realized I made a huge mistake and I couldn't get all the threads back in. And, um, there's a lot of washers and stuff. So don't do that. What I did, but I ended up with a three pin, uh, like 20, 30, 40. And then my bottom pin was set at 60. I like it, but I can't wait to go try to Excel because I do think that landslide is pretty money. My question for you, and then we're going to move over to Marcus is, uh, is, do you think the landslide is durable enough to pass or check that box to put on your pack, ride an e-bike, ride a mountain bike, ride a dirt bike to hike with the bow on your, you know, and go through brush and, you know, not get broken here at Oakshape, we're very picky on who we decide to partner with. We take our brand very serious. And if we have a partner, we want to brag about them because we believe in them. Numa Outdoors, that's the clothing we wear. Discount code Elkshape20 will take 20% off your first order. Vortex Optics, Vortex Nation, proud partner since 2010. On X Hunt, become an elite member. This is the most reliable app for hunting on the market. Discount code Elkshape takes 20% off your elite membership. Buck Knives out of Post Falls, Idaho. They've been in business since 1902. Matthews Archery, a brand that not only has the same shared values, but continues to push technology and making the best bows on planet Earth. MagView, this is the digiscoping solution that simplifies the entire process. Discount code Elkshape takes 10% off. Wilderness Athlete, this brand makes supplements, does not specialize in marketing. They specialize in making you better and recover and being healthier. Discount code Elkshape22 will take 30% off your first purchase. Spy Point Trail Cameras, Trail Camology. Trail Cams are an extremely useful tool to help you scout, figure out game densities, and understand animal behavior. And they make very 
reliable trail cameras that you can count on. Kafaru International, the hoodlum is my all-time favorite backpack for elk hunting. I don't even know how many elk I've packed out with that pack, but I always can count on it. The frame is in a league of its own, and Aaron Snyder is running a phenomenal company that we believe in. Crispy boots, crispy USA, crispy hunting. These boots are the best bang for your buck. Minimal break-in period, lots of flex ratings to suit your style and terrain that you hunt in. Check out a crispy dealer near you. Baku e-bikes out of Ogden, Utah. E-bikes made for hunters, by hunters. Use them where legal. It's efficient, quiet, and exhaust-free way to get in and get out of your tree stand or your hunting location. Black Rifle Coffee Company. Coffee is life. And this is a veteran-owned Pro 2A company. Discount code Elkshape takes 15% off. BlackOvis.com is where I do all my shopping, and I use my own discount code, which is Elkshape. It takes 10% off. Fast and free shipping, a vast variety, and great customer service. Sheet Feet, orthotics for the hunter. Put these in your boot and elevate your game. Leak less energy, prevent injury, and hunt more efficiently. Discount code Elkshape takes 10% off. TheElkCollective.com. Digital elk hunting education video driven enter the discount code elkshape podcast all one word to save a few bucks and get to learning fatty meat sticks from smokewood these are my go-to snacks when hunting protein and fat great energy sources super convenient delicious you can find them at any convenience store near you marsupial out of arizona they make the best vinyl packs period handcrafted here in the usa and we stand behind them i do i do think it does pass that pass that test i was concerned i didn't feel i and I think that sales come a long way because I remember seeing their sites a few years ago and I was like, man, if you're not shooting your backyard, this is no good. Um, that was my quick judgment. You know, that's, we're talking mm-hmm. five, six years ago at, at when I was at ATA, but I do think the XL is, is pretty bomber. And I do, I did trust it this year in back Wyoming backcountry and also in Colorado backcountry. And then, uh, and then, you know, of course, just, just other stuff, just local here in Utah. But I, um, yeah, I, I would I would trust it. I also use the dovetail. I've changed my ways. Instead of having the dovetail all the way maxed out, so I have max distance between peep and sight, I've come back a little bit. You, you, I think I think you you kind of preach that good word, um, and I have a couple others. And so, but I do remove it. The, the ability to remove it, put it, you know, pack it in my pack, and to just run my you know my bow, you know, on a horse or on on my back, like uh, up the mountain. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It just gives me so much comfort to do that. But in those instances where I'm just rallying with the bow on, either in hand or on the pack. I've, I felt quite comfortable this year doing that. The one thing about Excel, uh, well, well, the one thing I was going to ask you is why, why green on the bottom pin? Cause I also do one, nine, one, nine, one, nine, and then one Oh on the bottom pin. But I, I, that green, I can't, I can't do green. Yeah. And I don't know. That's mm. probably just a personal thing. I prefer the red. I, so I go, I go green, red, green, red on my four pin. 
and that red is the is my my slider. So it's interesting to hear you that you want the green. You, can you yeah, still see I, the green? The green to me holds the most light in that fiber for low hmm. light stuff. So yeah, that would be the only reason. But for years I ran the traditional bottom pin being red. Uh, so when sliders came out, that's what I was used to. But no, I like the green at the bottom, holds the most light. But hmm. you, I'm glad we're doing this podcast because I'm like, I got to go open that box up and just start tinkering with that because I do want to look at it. Uh, is the housing, I don't know. Do you remember the housing size of that four pin? Oh, uh, no, I'm running the five pin. So that's why I was oh, telling okay. you, I want to, I want to surgically oh. remove the, that one pin. I just haven't seen how I could do it. And I didn't realize Promo. that you, you can order the, uh, you can order <laughs> a custom four pin. So I'm really stoked on that. Yeah. It, and it got here in about a month. It, it didn't take too long. So I, I love the mechanism of the, of the, of the Excel, both the setting the pin, as well as the little button that you can push to, to move the slider. Um, and at first I thought, God, I'm going to bump this thing. It's, this is, this, this is a bad deal, but in all, all my hunting experience this year, uh, not once did it, did I, did I feel at risk or not once did it disengage or, or engage. So um, I was, I think signing that, that site in going through the whole, the motions was really one of the coolest, uh, you know, coolest experiences with gear this year. And, uh, I'm, I'm pretty sold on it, man. That's awesome. So Marcus, which hunt do you want to highlight? I know you did quite a bit, but if you don't talk about your elk hunt, we can't be friends. Can we at least get to that one first? Just cause I'm so intrigued. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, yeah. Like you mentioned, I had a few different hunts started with spring bear early archery mule deer in Utah then to my, our, our, my muzzleloader elk tag. And then I just went on a white to hunt. But if I had a highlight this year, it was definitely elk. I mean, it was hands down one of the funnest hunts I've ever been on. It's in one of those dream units in Utah that, that you just hope that you draw. And it, luckily that's my home mountain. Um, so I know it really well. And, and I was on the other side of what Kendall was saying. I was on the receiving end of really a really awesome crew that came and just supported me and helped me fill that tag. And, and it wouldn't have been the same without them. Truly. Um, I'm really grateful for all their help, but it was such a fun hunt because it was September 26th to October 7th. And if you know, Utah elk, that is absolutely the best time to hunt with the exception of maybe just a week earlier going into early rifle. Um, but it was a blast. I mean, every single day we were just dropping into, into different canyons and, glassing up elk, sizing them up, figuring out which ones we wanted to put a, put a stock on. We probably saw over hundred, 120 bulls in one week. Um, and the, the thing that what? was so cool about this, That's insane. Yeah, it was, it was wild, <laughs> wild. I mean, and, and you had to be there to, to believe it, but I mean, we were seeing so many bulls and the bull to cow ratio in this unit is 52 to hundred. And so every, every herd that we were seeing probably had one bull and we didn't see any mega herds at this point either, which it usually turns into, but it was like one bull to like three to six cows, which was another reason we were seeing so many bulls. And it was one reason we were able to put good stocks on stuff because there weren't a million eyes looking at you. But the thing that was so crazy about this hunt was the dynamic totally shifted from early rifle. I was, I was in these same areas, um, scouting, probably four weeks before, I mean, the, the leading up to four weeks before. So that entire period. And I was watching these big, big herd bulls, um, pushing these cows. And all of a sudden 
right at the end of early rifle, it, it changed where these bigger herd bulls backed off. They took maybe a cow or two and they kind of went into lockdown mode and smaller bulls came in, were pushing those, that those, uh, the majority of cows, which was totally weird. And something that I haven't experienced before. I remember talking to a buddy, I was like, Hey, what's going on? Like I was watching all these big bulls and now all these kind of 300 level bulls and, and in that ballpark came and were taking over and, and, and he was telling me, you know, this, this happens in the whitetail woods too. You'll get these bucks that are just tired of fighting. They're tired of rutting. And especially with older age class, they don't rut the same way anyways, but they'll back off. And so our strategies totally changed. We just started looking for lone bulls or bulls with one or two cows. And that's where we were seeing the big, big trophy bulls. And it, I mean, like I said, it could not have been a more enjoyable hunt. It's everything you dream of every day, every hour. I mean, bulls everywhere, cows everywhere, and an awesome crew to share that time with. Wow. That's pretty exciting. I think, uh, I experienced something similar in Wyoming. I burned like 11 points on a limited entry and I was watching, um, a mega and he had probably 70, 80 cows, which is really hard to do anything with when you're a bow hunter. But I watched him over the course of 10 days, pick out a cow, hook her from the herd, take her wherever. And when he was gone, just all these 300 type bulls would just pile in and just rut and scream, which was no cool. Way. But it was interesting to watch the breeder bull take one at a time, get them away from the herd, and then come back that evening. And everybody would like quit being so tough. And uh, that's exciting. Now, muzzleloaders scare me, dude. So I got to ask you, when you <laughs> made your shot, did it just explode into black powder dust everywhere and smoke? And you're like, I hope I made a good shot. Or what, how, how was the shot? So I should also say, this was the first year I've ever shot a muzzleloader in my entire life. When I drew the tag, I had never shot a muzzleloader, probably never even held one unless it was like some old antique in a pawn shop or something. But it was just, I had this amount of points that I was saving up for multi-season and it was like, you know what? It just doesn't make sense to, to burn these on archery when, and, and it took some time that summer, just practicing dialing in loads, these new muzzleloaders, I was shooting a CVA Paramount Pro 40 caliber and these new muzzleloaders they're super accurate. I should just say like, I mean, I was shooting this at a range out here in Utah at like 650 yards consistently and accurately. And I'm what? not a marksman. I've got buddies doing this at a thousand yards. And my shot actually was at about 350, probably like actual distance 400. Here's the thing. That's that plume of smoke that fills your, your field of view. It's one of the most exciting things of all of it. Like you just, it's one shot. You, you just pray that you made all the right moves that you slowed down your breathing. You squeeze that trigger and you just followed your cues, your shooting cues. And then it just fills up. It's loud. The smell, it just fills your lungs and it's fun. It's really cool. But when I, when I shot, yeah, it was more so white smoke that just kind of fills that air, but it dissipates pretty quickly. And I was shooting a muzzle break. So it got spread evenly and, and dissipated pretty quickly. But when we saw my elk, actually, we saw him up in these cliffs at about a thousand yards. And I got one look at him and I was like, that's the bull. And we just started running down this spine. Um, we got him in the glass. I got a little video of him before and 
I was just like, man, that's the tank I've been looking for. So we just started hauling, looking for shooting vantages and probably on our like 10th try, 600 yards down the mountain, we found like a cliffy section where I was able to get prone and the elevation we were at, we were in the scrub oak and I could not believe that there was an opportunity to get prone. And I got that elk in my sights, dialed my turrets and somehow he just stopped and I shot smoke filled the air. And I've got my buddy Bridger with me who's filming. And, uh, I'm just like, what's happening. I start reloading and he's trying to get eyes on that bull. And, uh, we don't know if he's hit, he's just standing there. And I feel like I made a clean shot, but he has not moved. And right below us is another herd. There's another bull in between me and this bull screaming cows are going up the hill, probably 200 yards from us. And we're trying to get eyes on both the new bull and the old bull to see if anything happened. And I'm still focused on that first bull. Cause I take a shot and that's where my focus is. And I'm, I'm going to make 200% sure that that bull was not hit if I go after another. So I'm watching him all of a sudden he moves behind this, this pine tree and goes into a little bit of scrub. And I move down to another vantage to see if I can find him. And he comes out and, and Bridger's standing there and he's like, Oh man, he just fell. And we couldn't believe 10 yards from where I shot him. He just tumbled and, and fell down into a little, actually into a terrible hole. It was pretty tough getting him out, but, uh, good. yeah, it was, it was cool. What, uh, what green bullet did you use? And then on the autopsy, what kind of mushroom effect? Like, you know, I don't know a lot about guns and rifles and elk, but I do know you can go right through them and just put little pin sizes. If you're using the wrong setup, what did, what happened? What was the autopsy? What did the bullet do? So I was shooting a CVA power belt and I believe that's a 195 grain bullet. Um, and it's like shooting a 300 wind mag. I mean, it has a ton of energy with that 40 caliber. I'm shooting 2,800 feet per second out of the muzzle, which is super hot, super fast. I mean, it's unlike your muzzle loaders like today. I mean, like your stock muzzle loaders that are just come off the shelf. This CVA is not on that level. It is fantastic, which makes elevation so much better for your MOA charts and whatnot. But, uh, I mean, it went through both lungs. Um, and I mean, it, it went down in seconds. I mean, it, it did some damage. It, I'm trying to remember if it came out the other side. I don't think it came out the other side. I think it just went in and just did massive internal damage. Wow. That I bet it didn't. That's great. And, uh, when they drop like that and then you get a little payback on the pack out, that's pretty cool. And have a oh, I got, I got a lot of payback on the pack out. It was so brutal. So brutal. But here's the thing that hunt, that limited entry tag, when you draw it, it's like a, you know what, I'm going to shoot that bull where it is and think about the pack out after. And it snowed that night. So I actually left the meat down there hanging after we cut it up and took the head and cape out that night. And it was extremely brutal, but then I had a good team to go back down with me and help me get the rest of the meat out. Mm, yeah. Well, guys, I have a lot of new hunters that listen to this podcast. I also got a lot of old school gangsters that listen to this podcast. So Kendall, I'm going to, I'm going to flip it to you, man. I want you to give me a top five hierarchy one to five on must not should when it comes to gear selection. Um, what's the first thing you should invest in and kind of like hierarchy that, and then Marcus will come back to you. And I want to pick your brain on some of my gangsters that have been out there for decades. Um, so their gear upgrades are very, you know, different, but also critical. And uh, we'll kind of finish there. So Kendall spotlight on you. What's the first thing 
to get if you're brand new? Where do you not want to skimp? Well, like 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 Marcus was just talking about his weapon. Um, I mean, of course, I think people rationalize spend expenditures on weapons sometimes. They're like <laughs> because they're not maybe then it's not as flashy, um, especially as a bow hunter. Like I'm not screwing around with second rate, you know, wet sights. Uh, cheaper arrows because I don't want to spend two hundred dollars on a dozen. I'll hope, you know, I'm hoping to get a dozen for like hundred and ten all in. It's like, like, and we sell it. I mean, we sell a ton. I mean, we sell everything, right? You know, Black Ovis, but and I see arrows going out, and I sometimes wonder, God, why doesn't that dude just like go for those? You know, the you know a higher grade arrow than this. So first is weapon. I mean, I wouldn't skimp on the weapon. You can hunt in rags if you had to. Um, I mean, most guys will say boots, don't, don't sacrifice boots. That's probably my number two, your feet have got to get you there and you've got to stop thinking about your feet. So if you're thinking about your feet and you're worried about like, am I going to get it wet? Do, am I comfortable? Oh man, I, I have this pinch point. Like there's nothing that's going to happen on the hump that's going to be rewarding to the degree it should be if you're constantly thinking about your feet. But you can hunt in rags, but if your weapon isn't dialed, and you don't have complete trust in your weapon, whether it be a, you know, bow, for me, a bow, and for Marcus, in that particular instance, his muzzle loader. I mean, did he spend so much time every day after work, that cat was going out and shooting that thing. I mean, don't, don't, don't kid yourself. He's, he's a marksman at this point, but only because he put in the reps. Um, and he was, he was like diligent about that. So uh, weapon first off, second would be boots. Third would be, Based on condition, start to look at spending good money on one or two or three key clothing pieces that allow you to function outside of like normal capacity. Let's let's say stuff that wicks, stuff that is quiet, stuff that's extremely bombproof and 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 allows you to get through terrain without the worry of snagging or or ripping or tearing. Stuff that you can be a ninja in if you're if you're a you know close close range spot and stock guy, you know those are some of the things I would think about right off the bat. And then following that up is is your pack. Um, and I think most guys would jump up you know dump a pack in like their top three. And but dude, I mean I you can still haul stuff. I mean you, not that you're gonna use like a school day pack, right? But like. A mediocre pack will get it done. You don't have to go spend seven hundred dollars on a pack to be successful as a hunter. You know that's where you maybe you call a few buddies and and you guys like break down and pack out an elk a little easier than you know. And as if if you're on that budget, so don't skimp on your weapon and and, and trajectile. You know that's that's your bullets or your uh, or your arrow, and then your boots, and then get two or three really good pieces of clothing that you live and die by. Um, as you're starting out, those that would be my, yeah. Can't argue with that. That's solid advice. All right, Marcus, let's talk about that next level guy who's been in the game a little bit longer. Um, this is kind of tough because I would start out saying exactly what Kendall said. You start at the same foundation and you know a little bit about this, but I come from the skiing world. Um, and I've always said it's the skier, not the skis. And, and hands down, I believe in that. Like you'll see, a lot of hunters out here who aren't wearing the best gear and they will take down some of the most trophy animals that you'll come across. And, and same in the skiing world, like you'll see these dudes that are just on two pieces of wood. They basically just carved up in their backyard and, and they'll ski, they'll ski circles around other people. And so there is a side to this where 
don't overthink the gear, like work on yourself to a level. Like if you are that next level hunter, like gear can get you places, but it's not going to, it's not going to teach you how to hunt. It's not going to take you to those next levels of hunting. Like you can yourself, that's the mental game. And that's, that's where I say, Hey, it's the ski or not the skis, but going back to what Kendall said too, my theory in hunting is forgiveness. And it all starts with your weapon. I would prefer to have the most dialed bow set up on the market and be wearing the clothes that I wear to work hunting than to have it the other way around. Because at the moment of truth, at the moment of the shot, you need the forgiveness. You need that higher end technology in a bow that's going to that's going to make that shot. That's going to bring that animal down. And, and I know I'm, this is a little bit controversial because some guys are like, Oh, I want the best glass and I'll just take out an okay bow. And if that works for you, that's awesome. For me, I want the best bow setup I can possibly get because I want to make that shot count. And there's, and, and my style of hunting too, spot and stock. I move a lot. Um, and I'm not saying don't take glass because obviously glass is super important, but I want to put the money into what counts. Like we're all on budgets here and I want to put the bulk of what I have into my weapon because at the end of the day, that's what takes down the animal. It's not your binos. It's not your spotter. You may have found that animal with those things, but you're shooting with your weapon. And if that thing's not dialed, if you can't trust it and it doesn't matter because it's, you're not going to see the outcome you want. Now on the flip side of that, for that higher end hunter, glass is so vital glass is so vital. I mean, the better optics you can get, the better off you're going to be, because as we all know, animals move. I mean, when you're not hunting late season, even in the late season, but more so early season, animals move at cooler temperatures and you don't see those trophy bucks and bulls until late at night sometimes. So you want all the light transmission you can get. You want the objectives that are going to help you pick those animals out and you want the glass quality. And and a lot of companies now are making really great, great glass. I love Vortex. I know Kendall uses Swaro and, and Swaro is unbeatable. I, I will say that their glass is the highest quality. Leica's up there as well. Um, I use Vortex UHDs and I absolutely love them. And part of why I love Vortex is the people behind it too. I That team over there is incredible. If you don't know them, trust that some people know them and they are very good people over there. Um, but past that, I'd say optics, put, put money into your glass. If you've got a dialed weapon, put money into your glass because that's going to help you find those bigger critters that you're looking for. I think I would probably, I'm going to disagree with you a little bit, Marcus, on the, I, on this, the, it's not the skier. It's not the ski. It's the skier. It's not the weapon. It's the, it's the, you know, it's the, uh, the shooter yep. only in that I saw, you know, as a, as a, as a passionate skier as well, I saw as you get to the higher end, and this Dan, this is like this is talking to the people you're you're addressing. As you get to the higher end, the gear starts to create refinements in your abilities that are that final ten percent. Like the ninety percent is grit and gut and preparation and quality of weapon, and then there's that ten percent refinement that really separates kind of the the I guess the pinnacle of the spear or the tip of the spear from the rest of the spear. And that is where I think gear does make that that difference. You start getting better clothing. You start looking at higher performing insulation layers. You look at your backpacking equipment, and you're going from you know you're you're not just shaving ounces, but you're creating 
better experiences, better sleep, for example, because you've spent a little bit extra money on certain sleeping bag or maybe a, the, the the lightweight cot that's that's you know a pound pound difference, but your sleep is better and so your recovery is better at night. And so I think that the gear that when you're at the higher end and you've you've gotten past the the prepar you've got the preparation dialed, the gear starts to make the hunter sharper in that instance. That's that's just my I, I can see that and I can agree with that too. I think the um the thing that you mentioned there the most uh, exciting part that you said to me was the grit determination factor. You know, the you're not gonna be able to buy that online at blackovis.com. Mm -hmm. You're gonna have to accept the fact, and this is uh this is so funny because I just been gone for seven days. I come home and my wife's like, Hey, do you want I got some ice cream. Do you want some ice cream? And I love ice cream, fellas. Like, don't get it twisted. But I was like, no, <laughs> I, I do not want any ice cream. And she's like, you know what? You're you're so disciplined. It's to a fault. It's actually very annoying. And I laughed at that. But she's absolutely right. Like, like I have a filter because I'm a hunter about the discipline decisions I make because I do want to, I feel like my biggest opportunity is I can only get so many tags. And it's just a finite number. I can only upgrade so much gear a year, but I can continually, the ceiling is so high to upgrade my grit and determination. And you know where I'm going with this. I think it comes down to your discipline decisions where you put the right food in, you get the right sleep, you make the investments into your family so that there's no controversy with you being gone. And uh, there's no ripple effects or impacts. And then the fitness, man, like being limitless in the mountains. And I'm not preaching this particular type of training methodology I'm just saying do hard stuff year round, knowing that it's going to pay off in the mountains. And then when it comes to gear, you just have to trust these like guys like Kendall and Marcus, who you test thousands and thousands of SKUs every month. And you're, you know, what's going to work, what's not going to work. And I think um, Marcus, I'm not sure what the word you said, but it was like, whatever's going to give you the most grace, whatever's going to be able to forgive you. Because, you know, we're hard on gear and you don't want any failures. You got to have that bulletproof, bombproof stuff. And uh, that's why I wanted to pick your guys' brains today because you guys have tested so much stuff. Let's end with this. Um, tell us about Black Ovis versus Camel Fire from a business standpoint. I want to know, like, when do you do you check Camel Fire every day to see if there's something or is there themes to Black o uh, to Camel Fire to wear, like, Trail Cam Tuesday I, I know a little. And then what kind of things do you guys carry a Black Ovis that people could look at going forward as they start to upgrade their stuff? Black Ovis is your online retail store where any day of the year, you can hop on and have an awesome experience shopping for hunting gear. We have basically everything you're ever going to need up there. And, and like you just mentioned, Kendall and I, we test out thousands of pieces of gear and we truly believe in our mantra, solid hunting gear. If it's not solid hunting gear, you're not going to find it on Black Ovis. And that's that's kind of your one-stop shop. You can build custom arrows. You can buy your Hilleberg tent, your big Agnes sleeping bags. I mean, every archery accessory under the sun, we carry what we believe in. And we, care, we carry also what we believe is cutting edge. Like we're bringing on dialed sites right now and ultra view and, and stuff that we think is awesome. That's, that's taking the archery community further. So black Elvis is, sorry, I, I dove into that maybe a little farther than you expected, but black Elvis is your one-stop shop for all your hunting needs. And it's a place where you can get anything you need any day of the week. 
Camel fire is a little bit of a different animal where we have 80 deals every single day and they change every 24 hours. So if you're not, if you're not constantly watching that day by day, you're going to miss a lot of sweet deals. And you know, camel fire is really cool. Like a lot of people don't always see this, but I mean, I used to be on there all the time before I worked here and I didn't even know camel fire and black Elvis were connected like at all. But Camel Fire is cool. Like there is nothing else like it out there on the market. And I mean, let's face it, everyone is on a budget. I don't care how much money you have, you still have budgets. But most of us hunters, we're on a blue collar budget. And if you can get the top of the line gear at these better discounts, you're, you're stupid not to. And that's exactly what Camel Fire is. We try and put high quality gear into the hands of people on a budget. And to do that, we buy we buy massive amounts of inventory at, at lower costs so that we can drop those prices for, for you guys. And so, I mean, they're totally different, different models of business, but at the end of the day, they're both really awesome. Like you need something and I mean, you need anything and you go to black Elvis and you should, you should really be watching both of them because I, we both shop on both of them mm-hmm. and I would be shopping on both of them, even if I didn't work here, but but I think what's really cool and is underrated is camel fire. It's just such a cool machine for just your average hunter. It's funny too, that you say that because, uh, uh, on the budget part, because the other day, Jenny, uh, messaged me, uh, that, uh, that, uh, this guy, Carson Palmer, he's a, I don't know. I, you guys probably know who he is. Yep. That cat, that cat back when he was playing, he uh and Camel Fire had only been around like a year. And he he was asked in an interview, what's your favorite website? And he said, Camel Fire. It blew us away. We were completely honored. <laughs> he used customer number 477. Okay. So that Dang. he has a three-digit customer number. I think the digits are now seven or eight, but he uh he 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 placed an order the other day, and it was a fat order. And Jenny sent it over to me. <laughs> She's like, no way, he's still shopping. And it's like even retired football money is still good at Camel Fire. Uh, the dude doesn't need to be in a budget, I'm certain. But we have <laughs> we have guys from experienced hunters to brand new, like just outfitting yourself on a tight budget. Camel Fire is pretty interesting because it does span both uh, both areas. Dude, I buy a couple things off Camel Fire just from time to time, and I'll just go through my last purchase. It was a couple months ago, but it was like all this little knickknack stuff that I needed. And I'll be honest, I didn't plan on buying any of that that day. Um, for example, <laughs> can you have enough ratchet straps? No. And you guys sell these camouflage, uh, camouflage ratchet straps that are awesome. I ended up getting a couple packs there. I use those on tree stands. I put them in the back of my truck, whatever. Uh, hunting made easy. I don't know who's involved with that brand, but like they got some cool stuff that I always get, like things, accessories for trail cameras to screw into trees. So you can get the right angle, uh, just like their scent, uh, windicator, their little puffer. Um, and so I end up getting all these little doodads, but they, these are things that are going to get put to use immediately. Um, uh, mm-hmm. and then before I knew you guys, I have to admit this, uh, I only bought trail cameras off camel fire because that's where, and I don't even care if they were refurbed or whatever. I never had an issue, never. And that's how I could get a lot of trail cameras. And that was my goal. That's awesome. That's cool to hear. It yeah, uh, it takes me back to like when we first met um, at uh, at Western Hunt. You came up to me and you were like, "Dude, I love your website. I can't believe what you've created." And I was completely honored because I I had known you and your reputation, 
uh, you and, and Kenton prior to prior to elk shape, really. Um, and uh, it was it was pretty interesting to know that you you'd been as as accomplished as I had seen you as a as a hunter and as a as a person that you were still like diving into camel fire on uh, on the occasion, picking up odds and ends and and whatnot that you'd followed us. It was that was really really quite an honor, honestly. Uh, that's great. Well, fellas, appreciate your time, folks. Check out Black Ovis. I'll put links in the show notes. I do have a discount code with Black Ovis that is elk shape. Takes ten percent off most SKUs. Check it out. Uh, fast and free shipping. These guys customer service. Like you can actually get a human on the phone. Uh, it's a it's a giant team, uh, and it didn't start you know overnight. It was built um, over decades of hard work, and um, these guys are just hunters. That's why I love you guys, man. You guys are just you guys are hunters, and you you dig this stuff. You're nuts. You're gear nuts. So. Appreciate you. Finish with this, guys. Give us one thing you're going to be really focusing on for 2023. It might even be on your goal sheet. Um, I know that's a deep question, but we'll just skim over. Like, advertise to my <coughs> listeners what's on your goals for 2023. Well, I drew a couple out of state elk, actually, a couple tags, elk and deer, and they're both archery. So, I mean, this isn't a new goal for me by any means, but I just I want to keep shooting year round with my bow. I mean, you know, I love geeking out on bows and I have way too many bows, but I just want to keep <laughs> spending time and not taking those breaks um, because it's important. Like I want the muscle memory of a bow in my hand. I want that to feel like another arm that I have on my body. So just not taking breaks and, and staying dialed all season. My, uh, the one thing I keep going back to my, my hunting partner in Colorado um, sacrificed the, he, he, when he hunts, he hunts for the one. He'll find, we might see 12 really good bucks, but he always finds the one. And this year he sacrificed going after the one because he allowed me to, uh, to go after the buck I wanted to go after. And then when we finally got to the zone where he was trying to find, you know, his buck, uh, we found a carcass first time ever that that's happened. And, and so he's the kind of guy that wants to go far in search of the one. And so my, honestly, my prep right now is I want to be physically ready and mentally prepared to make his hunt, make his search for the one successful and set aside like what I'm, what I'm hoping to get out of Colorado until after he's succeeded. So, and he's physically like strong, like you. And so my physical preparation, as well as knowing that if that, if that's our pursuit this next year. I have to be so dialed on my accuracy with my bow because I may only get one opportunity. I'm not going to get multiple stocks this coming year like I, I'm, I'm accustomed to. So just really trying to prepare to give him the hunt that he always needs and to be his wingman and not to be selfish and then to prepare to just be like ready for that. Like, kind of like what Marcus said with the muzzleloader, you only get one shot because the reload sequence is probably not going to happen in time for that second opportunity so uh yeah my i those are the things going through my mind daily as i hit the gym or as i look at gear and i'm refining um it's all with that that mind so that's my that's kind of my 2023 uh target i love it both are so leverageable disciplined decisions in 23 gentlemen thank you for your time guys check out blackovers.com i'll have links in the show to both of their websites and uh and both these guys are on instagram so you can follow them if you want and keep up with their uh, adventures so uh, appreciate you guys separation is in the preparation 
We'll catch you on the next one. Elk Shape Camps 2023. What goes on at Elk Shape Camp? A lot of stuff, but basically I can distill it down to this. We're going to sniff out your weaknesses, write you up a blueprint to tackle them head on and make sure that you're consistently getting into elk. You're consistently training and eating clean year round. You're disciplined and dialed at home, at your job or employment, and that you're making disciplined decisions that are going to lead to more success in life and in the mountains. Phoenix, Arizona, January 20th through the 22nd at Wilderness Athlete HQ, March 3rd through the 5th in Stonewall, Texas, right next to NUMA HQ, Julian Ranch, California, March 31st through April 2nd. This is in SoCal, right outside of San Diego. Plus, we are going to do our inaugural women's only elk-shaped camp on March 30th. Gals, you are invited. It's a women's only event on the 30th, and then you'll jump right into the rest of the camp. We also have couple discounts. Make sure to shoot us an email if you want to know about that. Vortex Edge in Wisconsin, April 14th through the 16th. We came here last year. It's such an amazing facility. It's so easy to put on a camp there. We can't wait to meet more Wisconsin or Midwest folks. And last but not least is a two-day intensive camp for elite Onyx members only in Green Acres, Washington, June 17th through the 18th. Early bird prices go until October 31st. Regular prices kick in November 1st and late registration starts January 1st, 2023. We hope to meet you at an elk shape camp near you-ish. And we have military discounts, regardless if you're currently serving or have served in the past, email us to inquire within.